Hello, welcome to Utopia Terrier. Stephen Chicken here, joined, as usual, down the line by David Elizabeth Hartrick. How's it going, Dave? D- down the line. I mean, it's the internet, isn't it? It's, it's not a line, is it? I, I would say that it is a line. It's like it's literally a cable that comes into my house, and I think the distinction between uh, a fiber optic line and a telephone line is not as big a distinction as you might have in your head. We have got two games to talk about here this afternoon, even though it's quarter past ten in the morning. Uh, Huddersfield Town have lost to Stoke City, and they've beaten Blackpool. We'll start with the Stoke game. Uh, It was a really, really tough game, really tactical game, Dave. What did you make to it? Um, I thought it was quite an enjoyable game. Um, I think plenty will go to Stoke and lose uh, by the looks of that game. Um, So no real issue with the result, in truth. Um, And I thought Town did okay, but Stoke are going to be there or thereabouts. And it it felt like Town's sort of first big test of the season after the Fulham game. Um, to see where they are and I thought they did all right I I mean I sort of came away from it just feeling broadly fine what was your take yeah same I think obviously the result always has an impact on on your thinking on the game I think probably a draw would have been fairer Um, you know I said after the game that that probably the best way to sum it up would be to say that Stoke would be delighted to have got the win and Michael O'Neill said that himself Mm. to be perfectly honest it was I thought both teams were really good defensively, which sounds strange to say when you neither side kept a clean sheet and, you know, it was 2-1. But I thought both sides were at their jobs defensively on the whole. Uh, It was really, really difficult for both sides to get through the midfield and get through the back line of defence in particular. But there were just a couple of moments where each side switched off and those resulted in the goals, really. It was just one of those games. I think concentration is something we've talked about before with town, not just this season, but especially last season. And, you know, staying switched on. And I think that the, the, the two Stoke goals, unfortunately, were the only moments of the game, really, where town did switch off. Stoke had that chance late on as well, uh, that they blazed over the bar that was maybe the best chance of the game, pretty much. But... um yeah, I, I think it was a game where you, you you wouldn't have come away feeling too downhearted even if you were disappointed in the result. Yeah, uh, and I think it was a uh, like when in your little opening monologue when you said it was a very tactical game. I think I think that sums it up really. It it, it was always going to be which team switched off the most times that won that game, and unfortunately it was Town. I said to you afterwards, I think it's probably. Probably showed where Town are this season, which is I think they're going to beat a lot of teams below them, and I think the sort of teams at the at the real top end they probably just haven't quite got the quality to to beat them consistently. But if they play like that and nobody comes away from these games feeling like they did after the Fulham one, I think that's fine. You know, I think I think we have to take that. Well, this is it. I mean, when we spoke to 
Carlos Gorbrand at the start of the season has you know tried to sort of push him for a number in in terms of points or in terms of league position either in the short term or sort of over the whole season he he's always batted it back and said look our objective is to be competitive in every game and I, th- I don't think anyone could argue that town weren't competitive in that game yeah. um the the thing that sort of when I sat down to write about it on Saturday night it was a, a difficult game to analyze and the thing that I tweeted about this but the thing that unlocked it for me was looking at where both teams lost possession because between the two sides they only lost possession in their own thirds three times I think it was one for town two for Stoke and you would look at that normally and think oh well they were both you know playing a low block they were both you know try to um keep things tight at the back they weren't pressing high but in fact both teams were pressing high you know um and we'll talk about the pressing I know that's something you've you've observed Dave was how Stoke and Blackpool have pressed compared to the expectation. But, you know, they were trying to force errors out of town. And apart from sort of Dwayne Holmes giving the ball away once, they they didn't really, you know. But at the same time, Carlos Corbrand came out after the game and said, you know, we, we came into this. And I think this is probably, a, I mean, a, a big part of the reason why he picked Fraser Campbell, although that was also partly forced on him because Danny Ward had a knock and wasn't able to play. But, you know, why, why he picked... Campbell and Holmes specifically, um, rather than going for more of an out-and-out winger or perhaps playing Turton at right wing back and putting Silver Thomas on the wing, um, was because they were trying to press from the front themselves and they just didn't get much joy out of it, unfortunately. You know, it was it, it, it turned into a game that was played in midfield and that uh, loss of possession map also tells a story there because there's this huge, huge cluster on sort of the edge of the Stoke third where Town just couldn't get through I think the lineup I completely understand why he's fit that lineup I understand why he's rested Sonani in particular for that game you know he's played three times over the international break having not yet played 90 minutes for town and not been involved in a lot of pre-season and uh, I understand putting in Dwayne Holmes because if you're playing on the press he's that he's the man you want in there on the wing and I even understand I know some people have sort of questioned why is he rested Colwell given that he's been on international duty but hasn't played but you know we're talking about an 18 year old who's playing his first senior season he can't play every minute um, and I think when you've had two weeks working with Nabi Saar and Carlos also said he wanted to see if they could get you know they knew attacking set pieces were going to be big and they thought Saar could could help them more with that as well I understand that selection and it is going to have to be something that we get used to I think because we've seen that that 11 that started against both Reading and Blackpool can absolutely do the business they've scored seven and not conceded any with that first 11 um, but I think if they are going to rotate they they need to work on getting the the players that do come into the side need to be at the level of, of what I think we would probably now see as their best 11. Yeah, but I also think you've got to pick your battles. And I think that yeah. Stoke away, it's not going to be the game that defines town season. I think that they've had a brilliant start. And I wrote a piece that is up on the um, Yorkshire Live website this morning about expectations and how rather than sort of trying to put some some trying to throw this across the whole season, just enjoy it for what it is now. Yeah. And the expectations really should still be just a nice, safe cruise to mid-table. And after sort of January, mid-February, no real serious looking over your shoulder down at the relegation places. That that would be absolutely fine this season. Don't get me wrong, it's absolutely great to be sat in fourth, but the likelihood is that, that Town may not be in fourth come Christmas Day. 
So don't sort of, you know, don't set your expectations ridiculously high. And I think going to Stoke, losing 2-1 in a tight game, playing fairly well, resting a couple of players after an international break, I think that's absolutely fine. As I said, I, I just came away from it thinking, yeah, no no real issue with that whatsoever. And I think Town will probably do that again on a few games over the course of the season. Mm. It's They're not the finished article. And we've praised their recruitment, which has been really good. We've praised other aspects of their season to date, which has been really good. But that you, you have to remember they're, sort of, they're still on a path. This is not the season where they should be putting their foot down and, and going for it. It's They're still in, in a phase of the project rather than being anywhere near the end game. So, yeah, a game like that, I I watched it. And to be honest, I think I, I tipped Stoke to be there or thereabouts. I think they've got a really, really good manager. A really, really good manager who yeah, he's excellent. has got them like really highly organised. He's evolved them into sort of a tight passing, pressing side. And yeah, plenty are going to go there and, and lose. Plenty of sides better than Town are going to go there and lose. So you just thought, okay, well, what really matters here, what really counts here is what they go and do on Tuesday how they go and bounce back from that because they lost 21 games of football last year and they followed nine of those defeats with another defeat so I was really sort of interested to see what what the approach would be against Blackpool and how they would bounce back from that and well (laughs) they did yeah they certainly did I mean yeah I think it is Worth noting that Stoker, you know, they're nine months further along working with that manager and he's, you know, he's he's got to where he's got. He'd had such a fantastic record with Northern Ireland because he, he does his homework mm-hmm. every time we've watched Stoke, we've been impressed at, at, at how much how well he gets O'Neill gets his Stoke side to follow through on the instructions that that he sets them out specific instructions for specific opponents and targeting certain players and so on and I think we saw that again at the weekend I think on the day Stoke maybe just had that extra it wasn't a big difference but maybe just that extra two percent in in all departments and which you know, which the, they the should on the, compare the wage bill yeah, Steve the f- compare the wage bills exactly they, they should the, have that bit of quality exactly and the feeling on the Stoke side was they actually weren't at their best which I think Town might be one of those sides this season, much like the promotion season, and that's not to say they're going to get promoted, but I think they're going to play, Town are going to play an awful lot of games where opponents come away feeling like, oh, we, we gave them that game, or we gave, you know, we, we weren't at our best and, and we can't really explain why. And when that becomes, similar to Barnsley had it last year as well, when that becomes a pattern, it's something that you're doing well rather than mm-hmm. something that, that opponents are doing badly. You know, yep. we, we've talked about Town have caught a lot of the, their opponents so far on bad days, but I think they are also doing a much better job at, at you know, at putting their game plan into action and, and targeting, you know, having certain objectives for certain games and putting them into action. And you can't really say fairer than that, to be honest. Yeah, so I look at that game for town almost like I look at them playing a, a Bournemouth or someone like that now in that I, I think that town are going to compete but they're likely not going to win the bulk of those games. But right now, right at this moment in time, that's absolutely fine really as long as they're competitive. And Carlos Corbran this season has been pretty impressive in certain areas and that... His mantra that they do just want to be competitive, it was quite interesting because 
I listened to an interview with Rafa Benitez at the weekend um, and they were talking to him about what his season goals were and he doesn't set any season goals whatsoever. He he just takes it from game to game to game and always has done, he says. And I think that's the exact right thing for Carlos Corberan to do as well at the moment, just take it from game to game because Town are going to have good runs and they're going to have bad runs this season. But... We keep saying it, Steve. Mid-table is the goal, isn't it? And all signs point towards a fairly trouble-free, drama-free season ahead, hopefully. They do, particularly when they can respond as they did uh, against Blackpool. You know, that it was... And you look at that scoreline and you think, oh, it must have been an easy game for town. I don't think it was, especially, to be honest. I think Blackpool gave them a game, particularly first half, and... You know, town were was struggling again to get through, and it was clear they needed to make some some little tweaks here and there to get themselves more opportunities on goal. I think Carlos said after the game they were trying to play on the shoulder of the last defender a little bit, and they weren't making full use of the space in between the lines that that Blackpool had. Because, and Tom Lees, when we spoke to him, when I spoke to him on the preview show just now, has said as well that. Um, they were expecting a, a high press from Blackpool. They were expecting Blackpool to be sort of non-stop, keeping them under pressure, whereas, in fact, they actually stood sort of 10 yards off the town back line and let them do their thing at the back and concentrated on getting things done in midfield. So, first half, you, you messaged me saying, you know, they need to, to change something here. But as you wrote in the conclusions, you have to credit Carlos Gorbrand massively mm. because he made those changes and they paid off immediately as the second half kicked off. Yeah, the the first half heat map, everything, Town had gone back into a couple of bad habits really and they were going, everybody was just looking left all the time hoping that Toffolo, O'Brien or Caroma was going to pull something out the blue and Blackpool were comfortable because they just pulled an extra midfielder over to that side. And Town, I wouldn't say they struggled in that first half, but it was eerily reminiscent of so many games that had gone before to see them have 70% possession, (laughs) but Blackpool create more chances, have three more corners, have more shots on goal. And yeah, so many times last season, me and you thought that the bench was far too passive at town. You could see what the issues were, but they wouldn't make the bold decisions to change the patterns and change the shape. And the changes were relatively simple, which was basically look to the right because there's a load of space there. And obviously you've got Sorba Thomas, who's been the player of the season today over there, switch things over to that side. And just change the shape a little bit because they Blackpool's press was to sort of stand off the defenders and then basically win the second ball. Um, you know, it, it it doesn't sound like rocket science, but the fact that they identified it and as you said, it gets immediate results um, and then another immediate result as well. I'd argue because the Thomas shot from that side uh, wins the corner that Matty Pearson scores. That's those are things we haven't seen before. That level of sort of immediate reaction. So it was it was encouraging. It was very encouraging on a lot of levels, really. And I think that that first goal was, I, Sonani gets a little bit of luck with a run and then switches it inside to O'Brien who lays it off to Karoma. But that finish, the more I see it, the more I like it. To be honest, because. My first instinct was the goalkeeper hadn't done brilliantly, but you watch it and the, it's just the whip he gets on it. It's it, He starts it outside the post and brings it back in and it's just a 
it's just a brilliant Josh Caroma finish, isn't it? Yeah, those are the positions where you you back him to to get goals from, isn't it? And um, it's funny after the game, I'd, I'd been on Ready Leeds on Monday night and said, "Oh, you need to get more out of um, Toffolo, O'Brien, and Caroma." And it's not that they've played badly; it's just that we've not seen them at their best yet. And uh, some fans on the way out the stadium gave me a bit of stick, saying, "Oh, you need Caroma at your bestie." It's like, yeah, well, he's done it today. To be fair, um, he was really influential player um, in that second half. That 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 flurry that they had at the start of the second half obviously he was a massive massive part in creating the goal for Jonathan Hogg as well and it 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 just goes to show you know if you keep trying the same thing and you you keep trying to sort of force the issue up one side it's almost the wrong thing to do sometimes you know you need to you need to sort of let your attacking movement breathe a little bit mm. so that when you do switch it over there or when as he did for the first goal when Karoma sort of comes across to that side himself it takes the opposition by surprise it makes you a lot less predictable and this is something again we've talked about repeatedly is is town making themselves less predictable and i think with with sonani in the side in particular they have a bit more of that element to them now you know it was it was a performance where you look at probably 10 of the the starting 11 and say they had a good game and they have the capability now to to cause problems in different areas of the pitch rather than last season and the year before where everything was up the left whether that was through Caroma or 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 Carl and Grant um now they can hurt you from different angles they can find different ways to get through you know they had three quite different types of goals you know on on Tuesday night where one was sort of a, a passing move one was a set piece and one was a, a, a run in from the wing uh, and scored off the rebound and that's really encouraging to see really particularly after the Stoke game where they did lack a little bit of that invention they did struggle a little bit to get through and again that's not a strong criticism of town just because of of how good Stoke are at stopping teams from playing playing their own way and, and making things happen but I think that is a big source of encouragement for for the rest of the season. It is, and I, I think again, I wrote something else I wrote about Josh Caroma is you you've got to find ways to to get him into those pockets of space that he likes. We know he can do it with Campbell, but Campbell can't play forty games a year. Ward likes to come into those pockets of space himself. He likes to drop into those spaces, try and affect play, and then get on the end of the move. And Town don't play that way, which is. I, I think we've got to have a separate conversation about Danny Ward, really. But that's that's why I th- I think it may be time to to look at the striking situation and and make a change there, because Caroma is still massively Town's goal threat. I mean, he's taken nineteen shots this season today, and that's ten more than anybody else in the in the side. Do you know who's second with nine? Would it be Matty? It Pearson? is Matty Pearson. So, yeah, top scorer. You know, Karoma is still massively the goal threat, and and the person you've got to sort of work the system round to get on the ball more. And I don't particularly believe. You know, I finished. I finished the the piece by saying I don't actually believe you should change an entire system just to accommodate one player. But I think sometimes you have to make an exception. And when you look at the fact that. Karoma had most shots of anybody in the town team last year and he only started 19 games and he had 60 shots I think only Bakuna came close with something like 58 Mm -hmm. 
And that was when Karuma had missed half the season. Yeah, and Campbell had played 40 games, and he'd got, I think, 53 shots, something like that. Again, I'm doing it off my head, so forgive me if that's wrong. You have to find a way to get Karoma into it, and I think we've we've all gladly been swept along in the Sorba Thomas hype, and he's still just an utterly brilliant player to watch. But it's easy to forget that we haven't really seen the best of Josh Karoma yet, and getting the best out of Josh Karoma can only make Town a better side going forward. So yeah, I'm hoping that that second half performance from from Karoma is is a sort of little springboard to getting somewhere near his best again because Town have a a, a reasonably good run of games coming up over an extended yeah. period of time, and it would be lovely to see that Karoma at this point last season because this was the point uh, in sort of September and October where he was really looked he looked different gravy for a few weeks didn't he yeah funnily enough it was an away trip to Swansea which is Town's game after next mm. um, where he got that first goal of the season and then he was pretty well unstoppable by that injury after that so yeah, I mean, as I say, it's it's not that he's been playing badly by by any means, but it's we know that that we can get more out of him, that we can see more out of him, and and hopefully we we can see that. But I mean, it's we really are sort of <laughs> at this stage we're kind of nitpicking a bit because, and this is why we've sort of gone a lot more tactical because it's it's almost hard to talk about when when things are good because you don't want to get too carried away but I mean it's it's four wins in five for town now you know they've had those big wins big score lines against Blackpool big score line against Reading they've had two games where they've dug out wins against Preston and Sheffield United and they're finding different ways to win I, I think we should we'll, we'll talk about the striker situation in a bit but I think we do need to ha- give proper credit to, to Carlos Corbrand because let's be honest we had certainly I had reached a point where I'd pretty much written him off in in the middle of August we'd had that eight month bad spell uh that extended run of games where town just couldn't get anything going and I think they I know we talked a lot about the injury problems I still think they should have got more out of those games than they did even, yeah. even with those injury problems but they've won more games in the last five than they did in the previous 19 at, at the, sorry in the previous 26 even at this point uh in the league and I think we have seen a little bit more of what Corbran is about and a little bit more of how his style can can benefit the team and how how bought into it everyone is. Because the other thing is that, you know, when we spoke to Phil Hodgkinson, something else we'll talk about in a bit, um, you know, he talked about the, the sense of togetherness and the sense of the the massive uplifting mood that's been around Canal side over the past few months. And I think when you when you've Every season you hear that, let's be honest. You know, it's yeah. it's the last recourse of a chairman writing his, his notes for a programme who doesn't know what else to say is to talk about the spirit. And you always take that kind of thing with a pinch of salt. But I think you, when you see sort of the reaction to Jonathan Hogg's goal, yeah. um, you can see that that really is true. And when you, you know, you can see it when you're watching the warm-up. You can see it with the way the players are in press conferences. Everyone is very relaxed. Everyone is very... No one is sort of... We've not had a press conference with a player yet where we've had someone who's completely on their guard and trying not to talk about stuff. Everyone is more than happy to talk about, you know, what they've been working on without going into detail and giving away um, trade secrets what they've been working on the training pitch, what Carlos wants from on training. And I think that speaks of a, a happy group of players that they they want to talk about those things. Um, and that is, 
again that that always comes from the top and you have to give Carlos Corbrand credit for that and 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 you know picking the right game plans and picking the right moments to add new things to the game I think he's learned a lot over the past sort of 12 months and we're starting to see that yeah I um I've given him props in a couple of pieces actually um because I th- I think uh, I I think given up is is a strong word but I think that the way town season collapsed last year was worrying and at the risk of repeating myself I'm with you not only did it collapse and people say oh injury crisis and all that sort of thing but I I don't think they got enough out of the players they had I I maintain that first 11 was not as bad as they finished Um, and I know people disagree with that but I just I think you have to look at how many of those players would have got into other championship sides and like it or not it's most of them (laughs) so we we came into this season and I don't think we sort of judged anything on the Derby game because Derby were pretty uh, it's they're a weird team to play Derby because they're fighting for their lives they've got a, a horrible set of circumstances and to be honest with you first day of the season completely the wrong time to play them you want to play them 10 or 12 games in when they realise they've got to do this another 30 odd times Um, so it was a tough game that but then after the Fulham game me and you were both uh, again I wouldn't say given up by any stretch because we hadn't but we were both worried because there were so many things in that Fulham game that just felt like echoes of last season that it was yeah it was it was a worry and i think the whole season has turned on the 74th minute of the preston game because that preston game was not good by by any stretch but sep vandenberg scores that own goal and it was like a weight had been lifted off town because two minutes later i think i think it was possibly o'brien put the cross that went across goal and was just missed then Sorber Thomas hit the post Josh Caroma went close with another try it was it was like the darkness had lifted in one goal and then I think the Sheffield United game we said it on here we were both impressed because there was a plan there and plans don't always come off but they'd sort of executed it almost perfectly and then they follow that up with a a really a a game we were both sort of really enthused about having watched that EFL Cup tie and it's rare to come out of an EFL Cup tie that sort of infused but we were both buzzing we both said that's the most we'd enjoyed watching town for ages and they they take that confidence and that performance into the Reading game and that really is is where we are now you know the they can write the Stoke loss off and just bounce back. And it is credit to the manager. There's a few things he's been forced into, like COVID, by his own admission, forced him into the three at the back, which suits this squad better anyway. But I think he's just... For me, Steve, I think he's more proactive this season. I think last season there was an awful lot of bouncing around the technical area that fans didn't see because they were in the ground. There was an awful lot of shouting, but there wasn't actually an awful lot of change there wasn't a lot in game of moving things about and when when there were changes me and you often looked at each other and sort of went I, I don't get what he's trying to do here this season the changes seem to be far more effective there seems to be more he seems to be so much more comfortable with this squad after the mm-hmm. recruitment and so much happier with his options that yeah that that year in extremely weird circumstances of experience in this division has given him a fairly unique 
platform to build on from this year and he's 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 benefited from it you know long may it continue because as i said he's a project manager he's not an instant uplift manager he's not someone you sort of parachute in to to do things straight away we're in the second year of the project if he can get them into med table and have a safe drama free season this squad is already the basis of of a fairly decent one to to mm-hmm. have a push over the next couple of years so yeah it's been really encouraging to to see him to this point and i mean all we can really say is long may it continue steve yeah i i think the main sort of the main difference i think in town this year compared with last year is they just they're so much calmer in everything that mm-hmm. they do um and that's not to say that they lack urgency um but they so, for instance, when we spoke, I spoke to Carlos after the Batpool game, and he said that they they could see what was happening in the first half, but they felt that if you sometimes if you try and fix things too soon, it throws you out of joint. Yeah. And he felt that it was better to get to the break and and then try those changes there rather than throw the whole team off their balance and have it backfire if you tried to do it too soon. And I think that sort of speaks volumes I, I do wonder if last year he might have been you know too keen to try and make things happen but I think they've reached a point I think town know when they're comfortable now mm-hmm. I think is the main difference but like whether you're talking about in attack or in defense or from the dugout people are making karma decisions you know we we've not it was interesting watching sort of the blackpool footage when i was doing sort of my scouting report for my talking points for that game because it was like oh yeah this is what town used to defend like <laughs> like just a few months ago just constantly you could make them you can make blackpool scramble you know you can cause them to panic and we've apart from the fulham game we've really not seen town panicking in defense that's not to say they've been completely flawless as we saw against stoke but those have been little moments of concentration and switching off from individuals rather than the whole team getting caught in you know chasing the mm-hmm. ball or everyone going after the same man or or whatever you know we saw bits of it against fulham but other than that they've they've kept it out of their game and you know the when you look at the goal times as well this season the earliest they've scored is the 39th minute but they've been able to they've not gone into the second half thinking oh god this isn't going mm-hmm. our way we're, we're not going to get a goal there they are in in fact it's quite the opposite they're going into the second half against going okay well we've not done too badly we've not been great but if we if we can find a gear change then we'll probably get something here and that's you know that's exactly what they've done and once once they do hit that stride as we've seen against Reading and Blackpool they they can uh they can make things happen it was just and that's why I think the Stoke game is even more of a shame because I completely echo Carlos Gorbrand's analysis of that which is if they had just hung on and kept their lead for five minutes after going ahead they probably would have won that game yeah um so it's um I think it's what's what's quite interesting for me is you were saying about the Blackpool game it was interesting when he said he didn't want to make the changes too early because I think you've got to look at how quickly things are changing with Carlos Corran because me and you watched that Preston game and at half time we had a conversation that we felt there'd been what three formations in the first half mm. and three sort of big tactical switches and none of them had worked or really affected the game in any way. So I think it's interesting that we are 
like just a shade under a month on from that. And now Carlos Coran is saying he didn't want to make the changes early. And I think it's so easy to forget that this is Carlos Coran's second season in the championship. I know he's had brief spells elsewhere, but it's it's not the same. The championship is one of the steepest learning curves in football. And if you don't believe me, I'll fight you. Um, but <laughs> the, it, it's interesting that last season... It, he got a really good grounding about playing championship football and playing championship sides. And then this season, everything has changed again. <laughs> because fans coming back and football feeling like it's got more of a consequence again has made a big difference to a lot of sides. A lot of sides, for better mm-hmm. and for worse. So it's interesting to me, anyway, as a sort of analyst, watching and looking at the changes which are happening sort of in real time right now. And I keep looking at Town's fixtures and Town's form and without getting carried away or anything like that, I'm sitting here now going, okay, well, you've got to look at what the differences are. One of the big things for me, Steve, is they play Nottingham Forest on Saturday. We sit here recording two hours after Chris Hewton has been sacked. We don't know if they're going to bring someone in. There's rumours about Steve Cooper, Eddie Howe, Chris Wilder, but it's not going to be in time for that game. And if it is, they'll likely be stand, sitting in the stand watching rather than affecting it. Mm. When was the last time, hand on heart, me and you could sit here for a home or away game and say town are favourites for this and should win? Mm-hmm. Because for me, it's a long time. <laughs> it's a long, long time. I would argue possibly four seasons. Because nobody in the first season of the Premier League was sat there going, yeah, we should win this game. <laughs> We should win this game. Yeah, and I'm sat here now looking at that and thinking, yeah, do you know what? It 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 brings its own pressure. Don't get me wrong, but this is the first time I've genuinely sat here and thought, yeah, do you know what? Town should win that game. They are favourites to win that game. I I think we've definitely had so games like Wickham at home last season, for instance, where we thought they should win that, but but there was there was always a little layer of scepticism on both of our parts. Exactly. Whereas now, genuinely. And I think you're sort of moving towards this as well. You look at Town's run of fixtures now. Forest at home, Swansea away, Blackburn at home, Luton away and Hull at home. And it's it's until you get to sort of Birmingham at home and then Black Bournemouth away. Those next five games, you think, actually, they, they, they should be trying to win all of those games. Yes. Like, there's no reason they can't go for the win in all of those games. And again, that's not the same as saying they are going to go and get no. 15 points from those no, five games. But you would fancy them to get three wins from those five games, maybe. Um, It's going to be tough. I mean, it's always easy to look at a fixture list and say, this is an easy run, this is a bad run, because we sat here two months ago saying, actually, they've got a tough start to the season. And then the way it's panned out, they've actually ended up, as we talked about, playing a lot of teams at the right time. So things can change very quickly but that is again just speaks to how things have changed and how the mood has changed that we're now looking at a fixture list and going actually they can win all of the next five are winnable mm-hmm. like i genuinely i don't know when it probably was the promotion season the last time town fans were able to look at a fixture list and think that. yeah and i think it's important to just reiterate we are not saying they're gonna go and win <laughs> every single game but the difference is now you feel like they could. And hand on heart, yeah, exactly. it's not felt like that for, for such a long time. That I mean, you even you even look at that away game at Bournemouth in October and you think, well, they're probably not going to win that. But I don't feel like they're going to lose 5-0 like they did last year and pick mm. a weird 11 out the blue <laughs> and everybody's going to have a stinker. 
and that's that's the difference really and again just long may it continue because this is far more fun (laughs) and football is supposed to be fun and life is supposed to be about fun it's supposed to be a release and for so long it hasn't felt like that with Huddersfield Town that I think you just have to revel in where they are right now and the wheels will come off in a few games, Steve. I think we both think that because of the way they set up, because good teams are going to spot how high Thomas plays, for instance, and put a man behind there, and there's going to be various other things they do. But it doesn't matter if they react. You know, if if they lose, if they lose to Bournemouth, say they say the wheels come off and they do a Fulham and they lose five one to Bournemouth, well they've got Millwall at home and then Peterborough away, and that's two really good games to put things right and do exactly what they did against Blackpool which is bounce back mm. so yeah it's it's just nice to feel slightly encouraged by town and and yeah it's not about suddenly massively shifting your expectation and demanding they finish in the playoffs or anything like that but it's just about feeling like they can win games of football and it's been a long time mm. well this is yeah I mean this is it I mean every team has a wobble at some point in the season in this division you know I'm looking back at the 16-17 the season and there's a, a run there in sort of October through to beginning of December where they won one out of eight games um, so every team is going to have those wobbles I think this is this is the big thing now is that even if they do have another Fulham type performance or even if they do inevitably have results like they did against Stoke you still go into the next game feeling like well they'll be fine they're not going to go on a mm. 10 game losing streak because they've just lost one one game um so yeah i mean obviously we keep saying we're not getting ahead of ourselves and everything like that you know they are in the playoff places at the moment they're sixth uh after the wednesday night games and you know i think people be obviously it's it's fans right to dream that's the whole point of this thing is that you want to be able to dream about is this our season can we have a go here our job though dave you and i is to to sort of try and keep a bit more of a um a realistic head on things as much as we can i i genuinely uh, the the problem is is that it's so hard to get a level of what the rest of the division is about mm-hmm. because it's a weird league this year everyone is is taking points off each other there's not been you know there's not been for all we've talked about Fulham being you know Fulham and West Brom being a different gravy um, and, and maybe Bournemouth in there as well they are still only two points ahead of you know Huddersfield and Stoke and three ahead of QPR it's a very compact league table at this stage um, and Forest are the only team that sort of look a little bit adrift at the moment it's it's very tight division and it's it's quite difficult as a result and because we've played those teams on the right days to get a, a, an idea of where the level is mm-hmm. this season weirdly um, so I think that's as much a, a, a cause of our caution as, as anything else because it is the league is still a bit of an unknown quantity at this stage it is it is and that's why as I said ambitions really are I, I, I keep saying mid-table but anywhere in mid-table but the, I think more than anything just sort of a lack of drama more than anything else it, it would be yeah. nice if me and you were scratching around struggling for things to talk about in March if I'm honest rather mm. than this constant looking at the next three games looking at other people's results uh, trying to work out all these various scenarios and I think Derby certainly look like they're going to get the points deduction so I think they're going to struggle I think Forest, depending who they get are probably going to pull themselves out of it but I think Peterborough yeah. 
and Blackpool look to me to be sort of not destined definitely to go down, but they're certainly going to be in that shake-up at the bottom. Apart from that, like you say, it's a very, very open league. It's very, very difficult to say who's going to be where. West Brom, Fulham and Bournemouth, as I said, are likely going to compete for the top three. So, yeah, it's it's difficult to know what the level is. It really is. And I just... I just think as long as, I know, again, I know I keep saying it, but as long as there's a bit of fun along the way, as long as Town can can have the odd Reading and the odd Blackpool performance in December and January, as well as doing it now, I think that's absolutely fine, really. And I think there are sides that, like Hull are trying to be really, really compact and really tight and trying not to lose games, but they keep losing games because it's not easy to mm. do it in the Championship. Blackpool beat Fulham on Saturday. It, it's mm. it's a difficult league. It's it's a crazy league. It's a bear pit. Town just need to sort of keep ploughing their own little furrow, really, and just literally taking it from game to game. I think the thing they can do, I think the thing the start has earned more than anything else is the right to play teams where where they are in the table. So you look at Forrest as a bottom three side, play them like they're a bottom three side, get on the front foot, attack yeah. and go for them. Whereas last season, Town had to approach the last three months, really, from the point of view of, OK, we need to try not to lose this game, regardless of who the opposition was. Um, and I think as long as you've got that right to play teams where they are in the table, you ju- just enjoy it. Enjoy it and enjoy the football. Yeah. Phil Hodgkinson says he's enjoying himself for the first time since he took over the club two years ago. We we had an extensive interview with him in conjunction with, with Radio Leeds. Last week, I'm sure you'll have all read that. Um, it, it was uh, an interesting interview, as always, Dave. Phil's always um, very open about stuff, very unguarded about stuff. And he said before, that is his his approach is, you know, I will, I will tell you what's going on and you can like it or not, but you can't say I've not been open about it. And what did you make that interview overall? Um, I, I think you've summed it up. I think there's a few things that I've... <laughs> I've always adopted a philosophy that if something hasn't happened, why mention it? So talking about transfer deals that haven't happened for whatever reason, etc., I I would probably just have not have mentioned them if I'm brutally honest with you. Um, but I think the most interesting stuff for me was a lot of the longer st- longer term stuff around the stadium and mm. the the plans to turn it into a conference centre and have the hotel, etc. I think that. It's quite revealing because it shows somebody who um, wants to sort of safeguard the long-term future of the club and believes that's the way to do it. I think it's not quite as simple as that and there's a fair way to go, but I'm very, very pleased that somebody is looking that way. And it's not just a case of, okay, we may get the stadium from KSL, what do we do with it now? (laughs) It's... So I I like that stuff. Again, I think he says a lot. Um, You know, I I think he's just a very enthusiastic presence when things are going right. And I think that's absolutely fine. You know, if you, you, to be frank, take the crap, you should be allowed to enjoy the cream. (laughs) That's that's my philosophy, really. Um, 
but I th- I thought it was good. I thought it was a I thought it was a good interview. I think it's admittedly the right time to do it while while the time's good. But I thought it was a good interview where he said a lot of good things. Um, but yeah, I would have. I think I would have just kept a couple of things back and just said nothing. But that's just not not his way, is it? That's not his personality. I will say without blowing smoke up your bum. I think you and Catherine did a really, really good job of asking the right questions as well because he he does like to expand on things and he does tell you probably more than any press officer, shall we say, would like him to maybe. Um, it's just his character. It's just his nature. It's just how he, how he does things. And I think you and Catherine managed to get the questions in and then the follow-up questions absolutely spot on. Um so that you covered so much ground it was it was yeah it was a long old long old interview to read through but uh, it never felt at any point like he was it was just a load of waffle no i i, I think you're right i think the uh, particularly about me doing a good job no i mean i think you're <laughs> right about the you're opening yourself up i think it's good to be open and i think a lot of the i mean it seems to have gone down really well obviously phil will always have his his naysayers but um and you know he's not done everything perfectly let's be honest um he would admit that i think as well at this point yeah yeah i think i think the the risk you run when you are so open about stuff is that if results do turn and we you know we both just said we think there will be a bad run at some point this season every team has it um people will be bringing back up oh we should have signed tommy doyle or we should have taken the money for lewis o'brien or whatever it might have been, you know whatever it might be i think the stadium as well he's you can tell that is i mean his is talking to him about the stadium was like talking to carlos about tactics he mm. just sort of his his eyes lit up you can tell that is that getting that stadium sorted out is is a big passion for for phil hodgkinson and um i think with any construction project uh there are always going to be risks of setbacks and unforeseen you know red tape or whatever he was very enthusiastic about you know and i even asked him you know is there any chance you might have to compromise on things or scale back the project and and he said not that you know not that we can see um i think probably that kind of unstoppable positivity and drive to get things done is probably why he's got where he's got in life um but it does leave the door open in from a pr point of view perhaps but fingers crossed everything goes goes well with that because it sounds like what they've got planned is 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 certainly a lot further along than i thought it was it's it's people have to understand it's a long-term thing as well this is not like you (laughs) It's very difficult to put timescales on stuff like this because so much of it is out of your control in terms of permissions and planning and financing and various other things that I think that I think ultimately when you say it when you say it out loud as he has you're almost doing it on the sort of belief that no one's going to come to you in 12 months and say why hasn't it happened and unfortunately life's not like that you know there will be people we saw it with canal side didn't yeah we? um you, you there will be people who immediately assume that the next time they go down they're going to see jcbs in the car park these things can take time but like you said i think what was encouraging is that it, it feels like Phil Hodgkinson's legacy project, doesn't it? It feels like yeah, the thing he sees is his way of safeguarding the future of the club. And I think 
that's where having a fan in charge of the football club is so evident. I think that's where you that's where you see it because a you know a, a dead behind the eyes businessman <laughs> doesn't look for the angle unless it benefits them somehow. So I think you have to say, okay, all right, well we'll give you we'll give you the time. Let's see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was I thought it was a good interview. As I said, I thought you and Catherine did re- really really well with it. And yeah. I just, I just hope that the next one he gives is in the same circumstances, really. Yeah, I mean, he he was saying he was happier. It was evident he was much happier. Um, you know, the, the 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 weight of the world wasn't on him um, mm. so much as it was last year, and um, you know, obviously it was a, a a different interview to prepare for to last year. It was much more sort of financial administrative rather than what went wrong here what went wrong here what went wrong here as it as it was you know can you understand why the fans are upset as it was last year so um i think those are those are the kinds of interviews you want to be doing with your chairman is more sort of routine check-in rather than yeah <laughs> crisis why are we so good <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Huddersfield Town have the momentum of an unstoppable freight train. Um, yeah, what makes you so popular? Um, so we've got Forrest at the weekend. They, as you mentioned, they've sacked your favourite boy, Chris Hutton. Uh, hasn't worked out for him at Forest, to be fair. Um, does that change anything for the weekend for Town? Do you think, or is it? Yeah, you know, carry on course. I, I, I don't think it changes much at all, really, because. Like the analysts in 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 town's analyst department can't plan for a caretaker manager or what they're going to do. They can only really have to focus and go and do what you're good at. And I think Chris Hutton is not the problem at Forest, if I'm honest. Um, I know they've had a couple of League Cup games, but they've used 35 players this season, and they're still members of the first team squad that have yet to make an appearance. They are a very. There's a. We speak to a Forest fan regularly, and they are fairly shambolic behind the scenes. And I think ultimately this season feels like a little bit chickens have come home to roost. If I'm brutally honest, whether it was Chris Hutton or somebody else that I was in love with, I think they'd have struggled. So, again, Town have earned the right just to play them where they are in the table. They're a bottom three side, they're struggling, they're likely to have a caretaker in. Just go out and do all the things they've been doing that have worked. And I think the big question for me is the the Josh Caroma thing. Um because I just I don't I don't want this to come across as a criticism of Danny Ward. Okay. And I wrote a, I got a comment from somebody on one of the pieces I wrote yesterday um, saying that it was it was disrespectful to assume that all town fans only thought emotionally about Ward and it was actually analytical where the problem was. I I don't I I disagree with that really because I think a lot of town fans have written off Danny Ward and I think our point is that the problem with Danny Ward at the moment is it's not necessarily his fault that he doesn't fit in the system that town have been forced into but is really really working for them that's not his fault he's he has the shirt for the minute but I just I'd really like to see Karoma Odebeku and uh, Sinani as a front three because that strikes me as a really interesting proposition particularly when you throw in Toffolo and Thomas out wide either side as well that that's a front three that does lots of different things Sanani gives you a bit of the unknown Adebeku is is he's going to give you a lot more pace he's more of a pure striker he's going to want to work shooting positions 
And to be frank, he's good on either foot and he can drift, so that's going to provide the space that Karoma wants to come inside and those little pockets outside the area that he loves. And I think against Forrest, you could, there is an argument to say, well, maybe that's the way to play. Maybe let's set out this game from minute one as we're going to be the ones who ask all the questions here. We've, we've earned the right to do that. So I think that's the main question for me, if I'm honest. Do, do you hook Ward out? And, and give me Poe's first start, basically. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... I, I agree. I think a lot of Ward's sort of, like, more subdued performances have been not his fault. They've been when he's been isolated in that front two. Um, he, he's he's a difficult player to analyse because, as you say, he's, he's constantly doing that thing where he's coming to the halfway line, laying it off, and then charging back towards goal to get in the box. And, unfortunately for him, Town's game is more about working shooting chances for Josh Caroma and yeah. and uh and Danel Sinani and Silver Thomas than it is for looking for the centre forward. Um, you know, on the penalty spot ready to put it in the net. I mean he is he's helping create chances, Danny Ward, you know, he's there's only O'Brien and Silver Thomas that have created more shooting chances for, for teammates on a per ninety minutes basis uh so far this season than Danny Ward. But at the same time, you know, he's you know, he's had the same number of shots per game as um as Levi Colwell. Mm. So, you know, it's um I, I don't I don't know if it, I think describing it as a problem would probably be a bit strong because you know the the results yeah. are there they're scoring goals you know it's I I always think we you centre forward it, it's fine to have an enabler as long as other people are scoring goals but I think obviously you want to have a striker who can do both you know um i think i summed it up steve as i said it's not uh, it danny ward's performances at the moment are not all his fault because it's to do with the system around him but he should also be making an awful lot more of the chances he does get because they're so few and far between so when he does get the ball where he gets even in a position to lay it off or pass it he's gotta he's gotta be better (laughs) he's gotta be better because there's no denying he gives the ball away quite a lot as well yeah. And I think that's because everything he does is under stress. Really, <laughs> it's it's very hard as a striker when yeah, you know, sixty percent of the balls you receive are from thirty yards away, and you're competing with two defenders to try and bring it down and do something with it, and you've got no one within fifteen feet of you. But the opportunities he gets when it's not like that, he really has got to do more than he's doing right now, which which isn't enough. And this is kind of what I'm talking about when I talk about, you know, with your rotation options, you want to get the players that you bring into the squad up to up to the same level as the first 11. I think I think he and Dwayne Holmes uh, as well, they've both I think they look like players who are well aware of what the fans think of them and are maybe particularly Holmes against Stoke was just trying too hard sometimes. Yeah. I think yeah, you know a little, a little bit of that um, Janino Bakuna syndrome where you just need to keep things simpler sometimes, and you don't need to be. I, I think almost that Swansea performance for Dwayne Holmes was the worst thing that could have happened to him because he had that sort of superhero performance just mm-hmm. completely out the blue, and since then it's it's looked like he's trying to sort of get that again. He was really good against Everton. It's worth saying, Dwayne. Yeah, Holmes. he was. Um, he was. But but um, yeah, I think. You know, there's. I think there is a little bit of a, a gap when you think about bringing in players like, and this is not you know a, a slight on those players, but um, Alex Vallejo or um, you know Ollie Turton or Dwayne Holmes, Danny Ward, the or Fraser, all the strikers really, um, where you feel like they can do better and they are going to grow into the season, but we also need to see them do that. 
um, just just to feel a bit more comfortable for those games where you've got a three game week and you do make two or three changes or even more changes than that just to feel like it's not throwing in the towel to pick those players um, and I think there's a little bit of a way to go before we're completely there but it's not a million miles off it's it's not a major issue I wouldn't say at this stage no no but I I, I just think I think particularly when you're trying to find those ways to get Karoma firing, I think there's enough yeah, evidence yeah. that Karoma and Ward together don't work. Even they like Karoma and Campbell played 21 minutes together against Sheffield United, mm. and Karoma scored, and he had that other chance where he drifted inside and had the shot from just outside the box, and he just looked so much more comfortable. And as I said, I'm not all about changing an entire system just to accommodate one player, but I think when Josh Karoma offers you so much, if that's the change you need to make, then I I think you have to bite the bullet and make it. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, Right, fantastic. Right, uh, Dave, where can people get you on the Twitters? Uh, uh, At David Hartrick, which is H-A-R-T-R-I-C-K, not Hattrick. Lovely. As several people Uh, call me. I'm at Stephen Chicken. We are at Examiner H-T-A-F-C as well. Give us a like on Facebook to make sure you get all your news. Sign up to the newsletter as well. Uh, You'll get your daily digest of town headlines into your inbox every day. Uh, That's what daily means. (laughs) And we will see you next time. (laughs) Goodbye. Uh.